Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Project MedTech. I'm your host, Dwayne Mancini. As always, if you need anything from the podcast or would like to suggest a future guest, please email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. And you can always visit our website, www.projectmedtech.com, or follow us on LinkedIn. My guest today is Jeff Levine from Advanced Scanners. In this episode, Jeff and I discuss what Advanced Scanners is working on, comparing his experience as an entrepreneur in other industries versus medtech, who else to talk to besides just the end users, how to deal with investors when you have a platform technology, how to choose which indication of use to go after based on market feedback, investors, and others, lessons learned in raising capital as a first-time medtech entrepreneur, other advice and speed bumps to be aware of, and more. So without further ado, my discussion with Jeff Levine. Medical innovation starts with medical discussion. Talking about the future and what comes next with Project MedTech. Boom. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dwayne. Very nice to be here with you. Yeah, it's great to great to have you on here. I mean, we've we met. It's had to have been over a year ago at this point on uh, MDG Premium with Joe Hage, and um, we talked about doing a podcast. And I think now's the time is right. So it's uh, I'm glad you're on. Thanks for having me. I think it's been yep. two years. Yeah, uh, since we first met, and uh, yeah, time starts seems to be aligning. Uh, for a lot of right. things these days, it's, so it's, it's good the to world see a is plan. turning back on. <laughs> right, right. It's good to see a plan come together. Um, so I mentioned in the brief intro I did that uh, you are the CEO um, of Advanced Scanners. Let's just let's start. Let's start with your background, actually, um, okay. and and then work to Advanced Scanners, and then do an intro on on what Advanced Scanners is and what you guys are doing, what you're trying to solve. Certainly. So um, I'll start saying up front, I'm a, I'm, I'd like to say I'm a set of fresh eyes looking at the medtech space. Okay. Uh, my background is really all over the place. Um, over the last 30 years, I've started probably a dozen companies, okay. um, all bootstrapped and in a variety of industries. I've done everything uh, from uh, building set-top boxes and head-end systems to deliver cable and internet to apartment complexes. Uh, I've had Krav Maga and CrossFit gyms. Okay. Uh, I've taught combatives to the U.S. Army for a couple of years. I have an equestrian center, uh, the very first real-time online employment screening company, um, uh, financial risk management programs for credit granting institutions, which is like an AT&T cell service or Discover card, um, food bar businesses. Uh, if it's something I'm interested in and I think I can, you know, Either I'm experiencing a problem or I think I can do better. Um, I just love, I'm an entrepreneur at heart and I yeah. just love starting things and, and making people really happy. Yeah. Uh, you're a true, you're a true serial entrepreneur. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, and so, so a, a couple of years ago, uh, I mentioned my wife has a horse farm. I was trying to figure out what, what I could do on the farm that would make me interested in, in working with her. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so she's, she does a lot of traveling and, uh, the, uh, the horse scene was not my cup of tea. Okay. If, if anybody remembers green acres, 
Um, I'm like the wife on that show. I might as well wear heels and a dress to the farm when I show up. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I was trying to build something there to make 3D models of horses. I uh, ran into some problems and uh, I mentored this place called Capital Factory here in Austin. Uh, and uh, one of my friends there introduced me to an optical physicist who might be able to come help me with my problems. Um, he told me why it wasn't going to work and ultimately ended up convincing me that he had a much better idea, uh, which, which turned into advanced scanners about a year later after doing a lot of kind of research and um, trying to get myself comfortable with really entering a new space, um, yeah. accepting the very heavy lift ahead of me, um, dealing with the, wow, there are a lot of really important issues here that I have no idea how to deal with. So I'm going back to, you know, my real life MBA school and I'm going to start networking and meeting people and learning how to address and solve these problems. And uh, that was a couple of years ago. And here we are, we're uh, testing our device in the operating room already. Wow. So um, hmm, I want to determine what order I want to do this. in. well, let me ask a question now. What was that like going from, you've started a number of different companies and a number of different spaces, but something that makes medical device generally fairly unique, right, is there's, there's a couple different layers, I think, jump out of you right away. One, it's a regulated industry, mm-hmm. right? So that's a little different. And then the two, there's this whole aspect of like reimbursement, right? Like who's actually going to pay for your technology, Um and, and that's answered that, you know, you have to address that in any, any company you go to, but a lot of times you don't have insurance companies paying for it in the medical device space. Most of the time, the products are paid for by insurance or, you know, at least some portion of it. So can you talk a little bit about that difference, you know, coming in, so, was yeah. that scary or. It was, so one of my very first meeting, I have a very close friend who introduced me to um, so a like a B level, a B series investor in the medical device space, mm-hmm. um, just kind of get grounded in, you know, in this business I was considering. Um, and he told me, you know, there's one, this is the hardest business. I don't know why you'd ever want to get into this business. The model is broken by design. Um, it is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you're going to do it though, you need to figure out reimbursement. So that was obviously an issue and it is, less straightforward here than anywhere else I've ever seen and more complicated and more political and more people, you know, decision makers in the process. Uh, we're very fortunate that our first product is, is reimbursed as part of a, a DRG, a group, group reimbursement. So I have to deal with the hospitals and their willingness to pay for my service now. So I get to escape that as an early company. It's something we'll right. deal with as we introduce products, but I get, I get to really push that down the line right now. Um, Regulatory was the second uh, of three things that he mentioned that you're going to need to understand this, you know, again, before you get involved. So even here in Austin, you know, there's a lot of people with lots of experience and I went out and I probably talked to a dozen of them. Um, There are groups like, like MDG. Um, We have some here in Austin, you know, the, um, there's a couple of Texas based medical device, groups. So I was able Mm -hmm. to connect with enough people and get some early data. Um, And then with our seed round, our first seed round in early 2019, the first thing we did uh, was was pay for a market report and pay for a regulatory uh, report 
Um, and that has stood the test of time, even as our products developed, uh, we still have a really good understanding where we're at there. Yeah, that's important. What was the third thing that he told you? Oh, um, and he was like, you'll never get surgeons to talk to you, you know, especially <laughs> brain surgeons and, yeah. <laughs> and spine surgeons. These are right. busy people. They're, you know, just type A personalities and they got no time for nonsense. And mm-hmm. if you can't get the doctors, the users, you know, to engage with you about your product, find something else to do right? Because mm-hmm. they're the ones that, that will make or break this. So I mentioned there was a period of time between we, us, you know, Aaron and I talking and actually deciding to form the company. And that was only after uh, we had talked to many hospitalists about how, what their decision process is mm-hmm. uh, in purchasing something like this. And ultimately it's, if the surgeon wants it, he's probably going to get it. It's, it's right. the, the big takeaway. Um, and then surgeons were so difficult um, to get in front of, um, beg, borrow, steal, get stood up a few times, but ultimately, you know, we waited out and, and we're such a, a pain in the neck that they, they spend 15 minutes, uh, mm-hmm. with us between cases or in the hallway. It, it was like that. Um, and it always starts out with, why are you here again? What do you want? Um, and we, we have a, a video, it's on my website. We show it to them and it demonstrates the data that we can get, uh, that can be used to intraoperatively track brain shift. And we can we'll yeah. talk about that later. But when we show them this, they immediately see the connection between their biggest problem in the operating room, the most consistent, repetitive, miserable part of yeah. brain surgery is the navigation system breaking throughout the procedure. Um, we show them this data and then it, it's, they put their hands around us and they tell right. us however long they've been in this business that's how long they've been thinking about a solution and it looks a lot like what you we're we're proposing yeah so it it goes immediately how can i help i want to do pilots this is a real problem so when we kind of got those three answers to the you know what was termed to me the you know the critical you know answers before getting to this business we felt really comfortable the surgeons to a man and woman really Mm -hmm. want you know, this is a big problem. So we felt very confident that, yeah. you know, we could build the product and now it's, can we commercialize it? We got some, some answers that gave us some, some optimism. Right. So a couple things, you know, um, we talked to a project med tech, we talked to really early on startups, sometimes pre-company formation, a lot of times just, just, you know, same thing as you donate your time as an advisor, same thing, right? We're just talking to them, helping them set up. And, and one thing we talk about is um, doctor's time is hard to come by sometimes, right? So um, an alternative to talking to the doctor sometimes uh, and something, even if you can get the uh, uh, physician's um, ear is to talk to the sales folks of whatever company holds the market share, I think you'd be, you'd be pleasantly surprised the amount of times where those salespeople will talk to you, right? Even if you're a startup that's going to compete with them, they really don't care, right? Because you're, you're really not a threat to them yet. And, and it probably um, never will be. <laughs> probably never will be, right? So, <laughs> so, so they will talk to you and it's good to talk to them as well to get their perspective on, you know, who's, tried before? What did they try? What, what do they know about this space? Um, 
I always recommend talking to them as well. And then something with the physicians to just keep in mind, you know, a, a lot of times, I think sometimes when I talk to startups, they're like, well, this is a better product. The physicians are going to love that. Sure. I, I totally agree. I'm sure they do, right? Everyone cares about the patient, but you have to also keep in mind about other factors, right? The fact that surgeons, doctors, physicians, whatever, end users, they, they want to make money as well. So they have if, to, to some extent. Yes. Right. So if you can go in there and show them that a, you're reducing the time so that they can do more procedures or B you're solving, like you said, some issue, some pain point for them during the procedure that possibly adds more time, right. They are going to, um, like that more and be more receptive to that idea. However, if you're going to reduce the amount of money they're going to make, it, it, it could be conflicting with, with some of their goals, right? So just yeah, keeping it, that in mind, you know? In every business, but especially in med tech, there yeah. are a lot of great solutions that will never be adopted for reasons that have nothing to do with their efficacy. Right. It's got to be better, faster, cheaper for every one of your stakeholders, patient, payer, surgeon, hospital. Yep. Yeah, um, bingo. I, I think that's a great yeah. summary there. <laughs> that's, that, is, that is it. So, um, okay. I, I do want to get to other advice for startups because the first 15 minutes has been phenomenal advice. But before we get there, um, advanced scanners, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what are you doing? Where are you at right now? Um, I'd love to hear more about the, the technology. Okay. So we, uh, my co-founder, um, Dr. Aaron Bernstein, PhD doctor, um, invented an optical scanning platform. It's a way of um, gathering intraoperative data on the 3D position, shape, and surface characteristics of anatomy. And what that allows us to do is address a number of problems that exist in surgical navigation. Okay. So I know we have a generally technical audience here, but for those who are not you know, up to speed on navigation, just imagine Google Maps for a surgeon. And so if you've got that image in your head, just replace the earth you know, with a, an MRI or a CT scan. Those are 3D models of patient anatomy. And instead of that little blue dot, representing the position of your phone on, yeah, on this earth. Right. It's, it's the position of a surgical tool relative to that patient's anatomy. Could be on surface, could be in the volume. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a navigation system. And that's what the surgeon will plan his surgery on, um, what they'll use to execute the surgery. They'll follow along. Uh, but there are a number of problems in the procedure where either the accuracy is lost. So if you remember many years ago where your little blue dot would be on the wrong road uh, or things like that. That's still a problem in, in surgical navigation. Um, you have line of sight issues. The machines need to be able to see tools. Um, the machines always track the anatomy relative to patient or to fiducials, which are, are fixed trackers. And those things move relative to the patient all the time. So all of these things lead to broken or, or you know, defeated navigation system. All of them are noticed by the surgeon by looking around or the surgical team. They look around, they see I'm touching the surface. It's not right. There's a problem. We need to re-register. Uh, so it's our thesis that 
really good high quality optical scans that really only we can get with our IP can, can maintain this map throughout a procedure. So even as, as anatomy moves, we can track it in real time. We can track it relative to fiducials and we can give information on the surface. So if you're want to know, is this white matter or gray matter? Now, this is an early science that we're developing. So we're really focused on the 3D stuff right now to fix navigation. And then later on, we hope to kind of get into diagnostics as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so it's, it, it sounds like a platform technology. Um, I know it is because of our conversations we've had in the past, right? But um, first of all, it's super interesting. Um, but in terms of it being a platform technology, and this is something that a lot of startups are going to have to discuss, face early on, right? Or as they're planning. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Um, you know, where... How do you pick your first area? How do you go after your first therapeutic area? What was that kind of decision process like for you? Um, certainly, um, you know, but for all the, the, the startups paying attention, mm -hmm. what we're talking about now is IP. And the value of your medical company revolves around your IP. Mm -hmm. So yep. in addition to the other 500 things to worry about, the other 50th, you know, most important things yeah. is, is manage your IP. Okay. Um, so we started out with this scanner. Um, the way we got into this market is, and, you know, there, there's so many moments that, you know, combine hard work and luck mm -hmm. um, in this path. Um, again, Aaron, the inventor, he, he was working on this while he was a scientist at, at UT um, in his spare U time, University met... of Texas, University yes. of Texas. Thank you. UT, thank you. UT in Ohio, where there I went could to be a few. is the yeah, University yeah. of Toledo. <laughs> okay. All right. So University of Texas, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. UT Austin. Yeah. And um, he, he, he developed this scanner and he became friends with uh, a barista over there and uh, who turned out to be this incredible electronics wizard. Um, they built a prototype in his garage. So just like HP, literally the first right. product was built in a garage and that product was actually used in the operating room on a real patient wow. um, in a pilot device. It was that good. Um, and so we built that. And then this guy's name is Patrick. Patrick has a party. There's another, the way Aaron describes it, this other old guy there, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> Zoltan Nadasdi. And, and they met and Zoltan said, hey, you know, I, talking about your scanner, um, I'm an epilepsy researcher and I study um, the electrode signals from grids that are placed on the brains of epilepsy patients. Okay. If you could scan that and tell me exactly where they're located, I can better locate the epileptic tissue for the surgeon and we can have more successful surgeries. So we introduced them to a surgeon here in town. You know, the next, you know, third step of this chain, um, yeah. Dr. Mark Lee, um, a pediatric epilepsy surgeon um, okay. at Bell Children's Hospital here in Austin. And he said, yeah, you know, that's, that's nice that you guys want to do that. But the real problem in, in getting to this stuff is brain shift. The brain moves during surgery. It's not tracked by the navigation system. Therefore, I'm left in essentially to rely on my many years of experience and intuition um, to resolve these multiple issues that arise during a typical surgery. Um, so Aaron went back to the drawing board, 
came up with, all right, now we've got soft tissue. So we have biomechanical modeling. Can we gather data that would allow us to inform a biomechanical model um, and update not just the surface, but the entire volume so that the surgeon knows where to go and what to remove. Mm -hmm. um, went back to drawing board. That's where we built the scanner. We did the cadaver study and lo and behold, um, I believe we're still the only ones, but I'm certain we were the first and the only to scan an entire craniotomy with submillimeter resolution in real time. Wow. Okay. So we, you know, he, he's amazing the, the, the technology just does everything better than we had ever hoped. Mm -hmm. And he turned that data into a video and we showed that at the Epilepsy Foundation Shark Tank competition, which we entered because of Zoltan. You know, he's the epilepsy researcher. He's like, yeah. it's important there. Um, so I never would have been on our radar otherwise, uh, but we show up at that, we show the video and we end up winning the judge's prize wow. and the audience favorite. Um, so that was our initial funding uh, for the company. Wow. How much did you uh, win? 150,000. Okay. So it was okay. a nice okay. check yep. for two guys that had been working for a year without pay and funding this ourselves. Yeah. Um, build it. It was, it was, it, it changed our trajectory for sure. Um, gave us credibility. And off of that, really, we were able to raise our, our seed round okay. um, with that same video. And on the heels of the Epilepsy Foundation, we went to a trade show and we ran into the guys at Medtronic and we're just running around with a laptop talking to whoever will talk to us. We're still brand yeah. new, you right. know, wet noses running around the, the trade show. Yeah. Uh, we, we meet the, the guys at Medtronic and we say, hey, we're trying to solve brain shift. We see you guys are doing a lot of research. Do you want to talk? Um, and we met, it was David Simon. Uh, we met and he said, he introduced us to Tim Shawey, who was their resident expert on brain shift. And he looks at the data and he immediately saw value in it, got excited. And that began a relationship with Medtronic, um, I guess it'd be almost 18 months uh, into it now. And they sent us these navigation systems you see behind us. Yeah. Um, and we started talking to them about brain shift. And along the way, as they came to a better understanding of what our technology is and how it does in our process, um, they kind of steered us more into spine. Um, saying, you know, a lot of these things you're doing that, you know, the brain is absolutely a big problem. You'll have a dramatic impact, but we do a hundred thousand of those a year versus more than a million, um, yeah. patient registrations and, right. you know, many more spine cases. Um, so we kind of redirected our efforts there. So our first product is very much shaped, um, we have this product development path, but we found some like early milestones that we believe are commercializable in and of themselves. Yeah. And so okay. it's wow. kind of the, yeah. the map is just, you know, evolved, you know, in real time for us. Yep. Um, so I want to get into raising capital uh, as well, but <clears throat> a side question here about the platform technology. Um, did you find that having a platform technology made you more investable or did it give investors pause? The answer is both. Um, okay. Everybody likes the platform technology. It is a well-worn phrase these days. So I think it kind of is, is you know, draws, you know, an eye roll um, out of the box at this point. Um, everybody's get, a platform. Yeah, everybody's got a platform. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's curve looks like this. There's a yeah. lot of things we all have in common. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, ours is legit. We, it has mm -hmm. multiple capabilities. It has the 3D capability. It has the optical characteristics capability. Um, these are already proven. You know, we have patents already right. issued on our technology. So I feel like we, we overcome that where, where investors give pauses. If you say, I've got a platform technology that does a million things and I'm going to do a hundred of them. Yeah. You know, with your initial investment, you got to have, you know, the one thing, you know, yeah. that people are, are, are giving you money to accomplish. It's got to hit milestones. It's got to get you to that next investment, you know, right. or inflection point, whatever that might be for you. Yep. So having focus people, you know, bet on the team, they think, you know, they like that you think, you know, where you're going. Um, but there, mm -hmm. I, I, I think half their, their, their thinking goes into, you're probably wrong at yeah. this stage about exactly what you're going to do. Right. So just show me, you've got some legs, you know, how to overcome challenges that you're not married to this solution this way, no matter what, right. right. Be flexible, yeah. you know, understand, continue to understand your audience and deliver what is going to be better, cheaper, faster. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, while we're on the topic of, of raising capital, um, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to that. Uh, I'd love to hear your, where, where are you at right now? You've, I, you've mentioned you've raised a seed round. We are did, you, um, you're going two to seed rounds. A? You did two seed rounds. Okay. Yeah. Two seed rounds, um, for a million and a half each on convertible notes. We're now raising a, a $12 million series A. Okay. Um, raising the money at first was really hard. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, for me, this is the, my, so again, this is company 15 or so for me, but it's the first one that I've raised money for. Okay. And it's my first one in medicine. So it took mm -hmm. a while, you know, we started out, you know, little pitch contests, local and things like that. And we started right. winning and we, we won a bunch of money and we, and awards and, and things like that. And, you know, you think you kind of got it, everything's working. And then you go out and start talking to investors, angels and angel groups and people who know the space and, like, yeah, oh, that's great. I understand why you win pitch contests, but it's not going to make me write a check. Right. So it was, you know, so we go from that story and how do we supplement it and add, okay, what is the commercialization plan? What are the exit opportunities? How are we going to get this to market and deal with, like we brought up earlier, what is my FDA pathway? Yeah. And am I prepared to address it? Do I understand my re my reimbursement? You know, yep. and, you know, and can I get doctors, you know, all these things, you know, become important again. So right. they become part of the pitch. Um, and then little by little, you know, we're in love with our technology and I would love to get a 45 minute presentation on how cool it is and all the things it does. Investors up front don't really care beyond, you know, what we've already said about surgical navigation and the solution. That's probably all they need to know right. in a pitch beyond what's your commercialization plan, how much money do you need to get there? how and why are people going to buy this? Mm -hmm. You know, at that point it is, it is a financially driven uh, decision, right? right. They'll listen because you pull at their heartstrings and everybody wants to cure cancer. Right. Yeah. So we get everybody's, you know, first look. Um, and then, you know, depending on their theses or, you know, what they're traditionally like investing in, we, we continue the conversation or not. Mm -hmm. Um Go ahead. I was going to say there's a, there's it's very easy to discern who's potentially going to invest in a medical device and who's not, mm -hmm. right? You don't try and talk a SaaS investor into 
investing in a medical spi- you know, space. They're the people you practice your pitch on. Yeah. Right. You got all right. the people that you don't, that you think are very unlikely investors. You yeah. pitch them, you get feedback. And when you feel like you're getting, you know, fewer questions and pushback on, on each slide, then you then. Yeah. Contact and, the people, and, the real what, potential investors. And what about like smart money as well? I've heard this phrase, you know, smart money versus, I don't know, not dumb money, but neutral money, right. And bad money. Um, you know, did, did you, did you see a lot of that as well? Um, I'm familiar with it. And, you know, certainly, you know, VCs will talk about them being smart money and things like that. You know, is yeah. there an alignment between what they're good at and the stage of your company? So mm-hmm. it's, it is very important that when you talk to a VC, you understand where in their fund they are, you know, what they're, you know, outlook is for yeah. your company and there needs to be alignment. Um, you can assume here, this is the way it was described to me uh, from a VC from their point of view, when they look at, at a potential investment, and we should look at it the same way is it's probably going to last longer than most marriages. Yeah. Right? The average VC is five to seven years, which is longer than a marriage. Right. <laughs> right. So know yeah. who you're, you're getting engaged to. Yeah. Um, and the way you put it is I, I look at the person and I say to myself, would I be willing to sit in the car with them for a four hour drive? Right. You know, a three hour drive to Dallas and back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if the answer is no, I'm going to pass. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so y- there's th- just because somebody's smart money doesn't mean it's the right money for you. There yeah. are companies that can open doors to hospitals. If you're ready to commercialize to a hospital, those are the people you should be looking at. There are people right. that are really good at exiting to strategics. If that's your plan and that's kind of, you know, you're going to, hope and accomplish that with your net, with the race that you're doing now, those are the people you should look at. Yeah. Okay. What other advice do's don'ts do you have for startups raising capital? Hmm. Yeah. Again, this is my first time doing it. So what I'm telling you, like any entrepreneurial journey, it's not necessarily (laughs) repetitive. Yeah. Um, you know, but looking for money is hard. You, you need to ask more questions. Like if you do most of the talking and meeting, you know, early on, you're probably not learning enough, okay. you know, to, to meet the needs of your investors. Yep. Uh, if you hear something once you know, or twice, don't necessarily react to it. Everybody's got their own position and their own considerations. If this is your business and you have an idea about where you want to take it, you know, mm-hmm. that's what you put forth and you look for people that want to join you on that ride. Yeah. In the meantime, as you're talking to people, you should learn a lot about why they're not going to follow you on that ride. Or in my experience, um, what company, what trouble companies ran into along the way. So your plan needs to be really written in stone every morning mm-hmm. based on what you learned the day before. It yeah. is, you, you put forth the vision um, but you need to be adaptable and learn because it's no matter what you think today, you don't know yeah. where you're wrong. You might end up in the same place, but you're not getting there the way you right. think you are. You know, it's uh, it's interesting because we uh, yesterday uh, at the time we're recording this, 
uh, Tim Blair, one of my old colleagues at NAMPS, he's been on the podcast a few times, me and him were talking to a, a potential startup company and, and just kind of, you know, answering some questions they had, giving the advice and, and, you know, Tim was, was talking about raising money and said, it is, it is difficult. It's exhausting. People are going to tell you you're wrong. You can't do it. They don't want investments. You think you have something. And then it's, you know, they, it's like they're just beating you over the head saying no, no, no. And then you'll get a yes, no, no, no. And he's, you know, it's just, it's tiring. It's exhausting. And he's describing it. And they can see the face of, of the person we're talking to. And, you know, it looks daunting. And I, I kind of, we, we both said it afterwards. It's like, it is daunting. It's hard. It's not easy, but we all do it, right? We're all in the industry. We're all, we all wake up and, you, and, and, and we like the challenge. You wouldn't be an entrepreneur of a med tech startup if you didn't like the challenge. So I, I always tell people that, you know, this isn't supposed to scare you. It's not supposed to make you not want to do it, right? You need to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, and, you know, keep plugging along because there's a reason you chose to do it. It's just, these are designed not to scare, but to make you aware of other people's experiences. So, you know, Hey, wait a minute, this happened to Jeff. How did he overcome that again? Oh, you know what? That's right. That's how we did it. You know? So to your point, there's a very specific um, thing you remind me of, and it's called, are you familiar with the trough of sorrow? No. Have you heard that phrase? All right. It's, it's a common phrase in the startup world, uh, particularly around raising money is, you know, you start out and your initial reactions are good and they're, they're in, you know, they enthuse you, um, but then they go nowhere. And mm-hmm. so for this period of time, like you just get no's and you, but it was looking so good and, and it feels like things are crashing and you literally want to stay in bed with the covers over your head Um and this happened to me in our first raise. It happened in the second raise. It happened, you know, during this, this raise. It is repeat. You're going to, your, your mind is going to go and it's going to dip in the trough of sorrow. But no, as long as you keep moving forward yeah. and learn from the, you know, the news, bad, good, or otherwise that you're hearing, you will come out the other side. You may decide, wow, this is what the business looks, needs to look like. And mm-hmm. I can do it. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. All those things are fine, but just you don't need answers to keep moving forward and keep working on your plan. You look at yep. those uh, alongside. Right. It's a, it's a marathon. Um, and there's going to be a number of uphill portions of this run you're about to go on. And uh, you just need to be ready for it and, 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 and keep plugging on through. So, um, okay. What about we've littered a ton of advice when I say we, I mean, you have littered a ton of advice through this podcast so far. Um, we covered raising capital. We talked about regulatory reimbursement. Um, is there any other advice for a startup that you're like, Hey, make sure you do this make sure you don't do that just through your experience. And you talked about those three that the investor kind of told you about, but is there anything else we missed before we wrap it up? Um, in general, and especially in medtech, where things can be really expensive, mm-hmm. pace yourself. Don't get ahead of yourself and spend a ton of money early on until you really have more answers. There are some things like a regulatory report you have to know early on. But there's a lot of, we, we've had lots of opportunities 
um, and solicitations to spend money and go down paths before it was really relevant to my company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to know about quality systems, but I didn't need to start them three years ago. Right. Um, there is a right time. So having somebody like you or, or an experienced CEO that can kind of help you pace um, when you start engaging and standing up these, these other cost centers yeah. um, that, are, that are critical path items, that's good advice. And you know, your board, if you have one, or your advisors are, are the ones that should have experience. So you want somebody experienced in clinical and regulatory. You want you know, somebody experienced in the finance uh, sector, you know, and, you know, putting together that team again, you know, Aaron, both Aaron and I come from a non-medical background and for us to get credibility and learn fast, we had to surround ourselves with really smart people yeah. and the best look good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's uh, that's good advice. And I think that's something that I try to tell startups frequently when I work with them at an early stage is um, sometimes you don't even need someone with specific expertise, but you need someone who knows when to engage that person and, and what you can get from them in a one hour marketing call might be all you need at the beginning. Right. I mean, there's, there's so many cases. I remember just back in, in, in my, my previous job where, you know, I'd work with startups and they would say, Oh, Dwayne, I, I, I definitely need this now. Right. And, and I would actually tell them, I don't actually think you do, right? I think this chunk of information is good enough for you now to help build your plan, what you need, and and to go raise money. You know, come back to us when you when you have that because I think if I was, to, you know, you could buy this if you want now, and that's fine if you want that service, but I don't think you need it yet. And maybe that fifteen thousand dollars is better spent somewhere else. You know, so I, I think you're you're right on with when to engage, who to engage is, is really important. And if it's your first time, that could be, if it's your second time, if it's your third time, it doesn't matter what time, that could be a daunting task for, for, for people to figure out. Um, okay, one other thing before we, we wrap it up. So we had talked about this before. This is, this is gonna be released on October 11th and October 16th, there is gonna be an event that you're gonna be at. You wanna touch on that real quick? Yeah, the CNS show, Congress of Neurological Surgeons is okay. taking place here in Austin. That's, that's uh, our audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anybody is coming to town, um, yep. even if you're a startup, if you're a neurosurgeon, if you're an investor, um, Look me up on, on LinkedIn, and if you're coming to town, we can meet at the center, or you can come over and, uh, and, and see our scanner in action at our, at our offices. Awesome. So that is October 16th. It starts, and it runs through what? Uh, through the 20th. Okay, great. But even uh, if you hear another date, we live here, yeah. so, so okay. look me up. Yeah, so, so in the show notes, I'll have a uh, hyperlink to your LinkedIn profile, advanced scanners website, um, And uh, other than that, Jeff, hang on for a minute. I really appreciate your time today. Um, You gave a lot of good information and um, I really appreciate the perspective of a serial entrepreneur, but but first time in the med tech space. You know, I think that's a really interesting background we haven't really had yet. So anyways, I appreciate your time. Hang on for one minute and thanks again. Thank you. It's been a fun conversation. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. 
If you need anything from the podcast, you can always contact us at info at projectmedtech.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.